0: Title 1, Felonies and Circumstances Which Affect Criminal Liability Chapter 1, Felonies Article 3, Definition, Acts and Emotions Punishable by Laws Are Felonies or Delitos Felonies are committed not only by means of deceit or dolo, but also by means of fault or culpa. There is deceit when the act is performed with deliberate intent, and there is fault. When the wrongful act results from imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill. Felonies defined. Felonies are acts and omissions punishable by the revised penal code. Elements of felonies. The elements of felonies in general are number one, that there must be an act or omission. Number two, that the act or omission must be punishable by the revised penal code. Number three, that the act is performed or the omission incurred by means of dolo or culpa. Important words and phrase in Article 3, meaning of the word act. By act must be understood any bodily movement tending to produce some effect in the external world, it being unnecessary that the same be actually produced, as the possibility of its production is sufficient. But the act must be one which is defined by the Revised Penal Code as constituting a felony, or at least an overt act of that felony that is an external act which has direct connection with the felony intended to be committed. Example of felony by performing an act A. Took the watch of B. With intent to gain and without the consent of the latter, the act of taking the watch of B. With intent to gain constitutes the crime of theft only external act is punished. The act must be external because internal acts are beyond the sphere of penal law. Hence, a criminal thought or a mere intention, no matter how immoral or improper it may be, will never constitute a felony. Thus, even if A entertains the idea of killing B, as long as he does not commence the commission of the crime directly by overt act, A is not criminally liable. Meaning of the word omission, by omission is meant inaction, the failure to perform a positive duty which one is bound to do. There must be a law requiring the doing or performance of an act. Example of a felony by omission, anyone who fails to render assistance to any person whom he finds in uninhibited place, wounded or in danger of dying, is liable for abandonment of persons in danger. Number two, Officer entrusted with collection of taxes who voluntarily fails to issue a receipt as provided by law is guilty of illegal exaction. Number three, every person owing allegiance in the Philippines without being a foreigner and having knowledge of any conspiracy against the government who does not disclose and make known the same to the proper authority is liable for misprison misprision of treason it will be noted that in felonies by omission there is a law requiring a certain act to be performed and the person required to do the act fails to perform it the omission must be punishable by law because there is no law that punishes a person who does not report to the authorities the commission of a crime which he witnessed the omission to do is not a felony people versus silvestre and atienza Facts. Martin Atienza was convicted as principal by direct participation and Romana Silvestre as accomplice of the crime of arson by the court of first instance. On the night of November 25, 1930, while Nicolás de la Cruz and his wife Antonia de la Cruz were gathered together with the appellants herein after supper, Martin Atienza told said couple to take their furniture out of the house because he was going to set fire to it. Upon being asked by Nicolás and Antonia why he wanted to set fire to the house, he answered that it was the only way he could be revenge revenge upon the people of Masokol who, he said, had instigated the charge of adultery against him and his co-defendant Romana Silvestra. As Martin Atienza was at that time armed with a pistol, no one dared say anything to him, not even Romana Silvestra who was about a meter away from her co-defendant. Alarmed at what Martin Atienza had said, the couple left the house at once to communicate with the barrio lieutenant Buenaventura Anya as to what they had just heard Martin Atienza say but they had hardly gone a hundred arms length when they heard cries of fire fire turning back they saw their homes in flames. The fire destroyed about 48 houses. Romana listened to her co-defendant's threat without raising a protest and did not Give the alarm when the latter set fire to the house. Held mere passive presence at the scene of another's crime. Mere silence and failure to give the alarm. Without evidence of agreement or conspiracy is not punishable. Lumana Silvestre was acquitted. Punishable by law. This is the other element of a felony. This is based upon the maxim. Nulum crimen. nulla poena sine leg. That is, there is no crime where there is no law punishing it. The phrase punished by law should be understood to mean punished by the revised penal code and not by a special law. There is to say the term felony means acts and omission punished in the revised penal code to distinguish it from the words crime and offense which are applied to infractions of the law punished by special statutes, classification of felonies according to the means by which they are committed. Article 3 classifies felonies according to the means by which they are committed into intentional felonies and culpable felonies. Thus, the second paragraph of Article 3 states that felonies are committed not only by means of deceit or dolo, but also by means of fault or culpa. Intentional felonies and culpable felonies distinguished. In intentional felonies, the act or omission of the offender is malicious. In the language of Article 3, the act is performed with deliberate intent with malice. The offender in performing the act or in incurring the omission has the intention to cause an injury to another. In culpable felonies, the act or omission of the offender is not malicious. The injury caused by the offender to another person is unintentional, it being simply that the incident another act performed without malice. As stated in Article 3, The wrongful act results from imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill. Felonies committed by means of dolo or with malice. The word deceit in the second paragraph of Article 3 is not the proper translation of the word dolo. Dolus is equivalent to malice, which is the intent to do an injury to another. When the offender in performing an act or in incurring an omission, has the intention to do an injury to the person, property, or right of another. Such offender act with malice if the act or omission is punished by the revised penal code. He is liable for intentional felony. Most of the felonies defined and penalized in Book 2 of the revised penal code are committed by means of dolo or with malice. There are a few felonies committed by means of fault or culpa. Article 217 punishes malversation through negligence. Article four punishes evasion through negligence. Article 365 punishes act acts by imprudence or negligence which had they been intentional would constitute grave, less grave, or light felonies. There are crimes which cannot be committed through imprudence or negligence such as murder, treason, robbery, and malicious mischief. Felonies committed by means of fault or culpa between an act performed voluntarily and intentionally and another committed unconsciously and quite unintentionally there exists another performed without malice but at the same time punishable though in a lesser degree and with an equal result an intermediate act which the penal code qualifies as imprudence or negligence a person who caused an injury without intention to cause an evil may be held liable for culpable felony the defendant who was not a medical practitioner, tied a girl, wrapped her feet with rags saturated with petroleum, and thereafter set them up on fire-causing injuries. His defense was that he undertook to render medical assistance in good faith and to the best of his ability to cure her of ulcer. It was held that while there was no intention to cause an evil but to provide a remedy, the defendant was liable for physical injuries through imprudence. Imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill. Imprudence indicates a deficiency of action. Negligence indicates a deficiency of perception. If a person fails to take the necessary precaution to avoid injury to a person or damage to property, there is imprudence. If a person fails to pay proper attention and to use due diligence in foreseeing the injury, or damage impending to be caused, there is negligence. Negligence usually involves lack of foresight, and prudence usually involves lack of skill. Reason for punishing acts of negligence or culpa A man must use common sense and exercise due reflection in all his acts. It is his duty to be cautious, careful, and prudent, if not from instinct, then through fear of incurring punishment. He is responsible for such results as anyone might foresee. And for his acts which no one would have performed except through culpable abandon, otherwise his own person, rights and property, and those of his fellow beings would ever be exposed to all manner of danger and injury. In felonies committed by means of dolo or with malice, and in felonies committed by means of fault or culpa, the acts or omission are voluntary. The adjective voluntary used in the old penal code is suppressed in the definition of felonies in Article 3 of the revised penal code. This omission does not mean that an involuntary act may constitute a felony as in the old penal code. The act or omission must be voluntary and punishable by law to constitute a felony. Article 3 classifies felonies into number one intentional felonies and number two culpable felonies. An intentional felony is committed when the act is performed with deliberate intent which must necessarily be voluntary. On the other hand, in culpable felony which is committed when the wrongful act results from imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill, the act is also voluntary. The only difference between intentional felonies and culpable felonies is that in the first, the offender acts with malice, whereas in the second, the offender acts without malice. The definition of reckless imprudence in Article three hundred sixty five says reckless imprudence consists in voluntarily but without malice doing or falling to do failing to do an act from which material damage results. Thus a hunter who seemed to have been to have seen with his lantern something like the eyes of a deer about fifty meters from him and then shot it but much to his surprise on approaching what he thought was a deer, it proved to be his companion, performed a voluntary act in discharging his gun, although the resulting homicide is without malice, because he did not have the intent to kill the deceased. But the hunter, knowing that he had two companions, should have exercised all the necessary diligence to avoid every undesirable accident, such as the one that unfortunately appeared on the person of one of his companions the hunter was guilty of the crime of homicide through reckless imprudence a criminal act is presumed to be voluntary facts fact prevails over assumption and in the absence of indubitable explanation the act must be declared voluntary and punishable acts executed negligently are voluntary people versus lopez Fox lopez was driving a truck a girl was crossing the street during a torrential rain the girl was struck down by the truck during the trial Lo- lopez claimed that he had no intention of causing injury to the girl held lopez was not accused of intentional homicide but of having caused her death by reckless imprudence which implies lack of malice and criminal intent acts executed negligently are voluntary Although done without malice or criminal design, in this case, Lopez was not compelled to refrain or prevented from taking the precaution necessary to avoid injury to persons. When there is compulsion or prevention by force or intimidation, there is no voluntariness in the act. Three reasons why the act or omission in felonies must be voluntary. Number one, the revised penal code continues to be based on the classical theory according to which the basis of criminal liability is human free will. Acts or omission punished by law are always deemed voluntary. Since man is a rational being, one must prove that his case falls under Article twelve to show that his act or omission is not voluntary. In felonies by dolo the act is performed with deliberate intent which no- much necessarily be voluntary and in felonies by culpa. The imprudence consists in voluntarily but without malice doing or failing to do an act or From which material injury results Therefore in felonies committed by means of dolo As well as in those committed by means of culpa The act performed or the omission incurred by the offender is voluntary But the intent or malice in intentional felonies Is replaced by imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight Or lack of skill in culpable felonies Requisites of dolo or malice In order that an act or omission may be considered as having been performed or incurred with deliberate intent the following requisites must concur he must have freedom while doing an act or omitting to do it to do an act he must have intelligence while doing the act or omitting to do the act he must have intent while doing the act or omitting to do an act to do the act number 1 freedom when a person acts without freedom he is no longer a human being but a tool his liability is as much as that of the knife that wounds or of the torch that sets fire or of the key that opens a door or of the ladder that is placed against the wall of a house in committing robbery thus a person who acts under the compulsion of an irresistible force is exempt from criminal liability So also, a person who acts under the impulse of an uncontrollable fear of an equal or greater injury is exempt from criminal liability intelligence. Number two, without this power necessary to determine the morality of human acts, no crime can exist. Thus, the imbecile or the insane and the infant under nine years of age as well as the minor over nine but less than 15 years old and act without discernment have no criminal liability because they act without intelligence intent intent to commit the act with malice being purely a mental process is presumed and the presumption arises from the proof of the commission of an unlawful act all the three requisites of voluntariness in intentional felony must be present because a voluntary act is a free intelligent and intentional act intent presupposes the exercise of freedom and the use of intelligence one who acts without freedom necessarily has no intention to do an injury to another one who acts without intelligence has no such intent but a person who acts with freedom and with intelligence may not have the intent to do an injury to another thus a person who caused an injury by mere accident had freedom and intelligence but since he had no fault or intention of causing it He is not criminally liable. The existence of intent is shown by the overt acts of a person. Where the defendant carried away articles belonging to another and concealed them from the owner and from the police authorities, denying having them in his possession in the absence of a satisfactory explanation, it may be inferred that he acted with intent of gain. Intent is a mental state, the existence of which is shown by the overt acts of a person. Intent to kill is difficult to prove it being a mental act but it can be deduced from the external acts performed by a person when the acts naturally produce a definite result courts are slow in concluding that so- some other result was intended criminal intent is presumed from the commission of an unlawful act people versus siatebant facts the accused took a watch without the owner's consent he was prosecuted for theft The accused alleged as a defense that the prosecution failed to prove the intent to gain on his part an element of the crime of theft. Held from the felonious act taking another's property of the accused freely and deliberately executed, the moral and legal presumption of a criminal and injurious intent arises conclusively and indisputably in the absence of evidence to the contrary. Criminal intent and the will to commit a crime are always presumed to exist on the part of the person who executes an act which the law punishes unless the contrary shall appear. But the presumption of criminal intent does not arise from the proof of the commission of an act which is not unlawful. U.S. versus Catolico Facts The accused was a justice of the peace. He rendered decisions in certain cases, each one for damages resulting from a breach of contract. From which the defendants appealed as required by law, the defendants deposited 16 pesos and a bond of 50 pesos for each case. It appeared that the sureties on the said bonds were insolvent and that the defendant did not present new bonds within the time fixed by the accused as justice of the peace. Upon petition of the plaintiffs, the accused dismissed the appeals and ordered said sums attached and delivered to the plaintiffs in satisfaction of the judgment. The accused was prosecuted for malversation, a felony punishable now under Act 217 held. The act of the accused in permitting the sums deposited with him to be attached in satisfaction of the judgment rendered by him was not unlawful. Everything he did was done in good faith under the belief that he was acting judiciously and correctly. The act of a person does not make him a criminal unless his mind be criminal. The maxim is, Actus non facit reum nisi mens sit rea. A crime is not committed if the mind of the person performing to act complained be innocent it is true that the presumption of criminal intent may arise from proof of the commission of a criminal act and the general rule is that if it is proved that the accused committed the criminal acts charged it will be presumed that the act was done with criminal intention and that it is for the accused to rebut this presumption but it must be borne in mind that the act from which such presumption springs must be a criminal act in the case at bar The act was not criminal, or the facts proven are accompanied by other facts which show that the act complained of was not unlawful, the presumption of criminal intent does not arise. There is no felony by dolo if there is no intent. The presumption of criminal intent from the commission of an unlawful act may be rebutted by proof of, of lack of such intent. As a minor who married without parental consent, in violation of Article 475 of the old penal code, which punished any minor who shall contract marriage without the consent of his or her parents, was not liable criminally because she proved that she acted without malice. The defendant minor testified that she believed that she was born in 1879, that so her parents gave her to understand ever since her tenderest age, and that she did not ask them concerning her age because they had already given her to, to so understand since her childhood. The presumption of malice was rebutted by her testimony. One cannot be convicted under Article 475 similar to Article 350 of the Revised Penal Code when by reason of a mistake of fact there does not exist the intention to commit a crime. Also, a person who suddenly got up in his sleep left the room with a bolo in his hand and upon meeting his wife who tried to stop him wounded her in the abdomen, abdomen and attacked others. Tried to stop him and attacked others is not criminally liable because his acts were not voluntary for having acted in a dream, he had no criminal intent. People versus Veronilia Facts The accused was a military major of La Paz, Abra, in 1944. He received an order from the regional commander of an infantry Philippine army. Operating as a guerrilla unit to prosecute Arsenio Borjal, guilty of the charge and the recommendation of the jury, was approved by the headquarters of the guerrilla unit. For the execution of Borjal, the accused was prosecuted for murder. The accused acted upon orders of superior officers which turned out to be illegal. As a military subordinate, he could not question the orders of his superior officers. He obeyed the orders in good faith without being aware of their illegality without any fault or negligence on his part. Held criminal intent was not established. To constitute a crime, the act must exempt in certain crimes made such by statute be accompanied by a criminal intent or by such negligence or indifference to duty or to consequences as in law is equivalent to criminal intent. Mistake of fact. While ignorance of the law excuses no one from compliance therewith, or ignorance a lehis non excusat ignorance or mistake of facts relieves the accused from criminal liability, or of fact excuse Mistake of fact is a misapprehension of fact on the part of the person who caused injury to another. He is not, however, criminally liable because he did not act with criminal intent. An honest mistake of fact destroys the presumption of criminal intent which arises upon the commission of a felonious Act. Requisites of Mistake of Facts as a Defense Number 1 that the act done would have been lawful had the facts been as the accused believed them to be number two that the intention of the accused is performing in performing the act should be lawful number three that the mistake must be without fault or carelessness on the part of the accused lack of intent to commit a crime may be inferred from the facts of the case the defendant swore to civil service form number one before a notary public that he was never accused of a violation of any law before any court or tribunal, when in truth and in fact, he had been charged with the offense of unjust vexation in a criminal case, before the justice of the peace court, he was prosecuted for the crime of perjury for having falsely sworn that he has never accused he was never accused of any offense. When he testified in his defense, the defendant claimed that he answered no. To the question whether he had been accused of a violation of any law because he relied on the opinion of the provincial fiscal that unjust vexation does not involve moral turpitude and he thought it was not necessary to mention it in the Civil Service Form number 1, it appeared that he had been previously prosecuted twice for perjury for having answered no. To the same question and he was acquitted in one case and the information in the other was dismissed. It was held that in view of the factual background of the case, the act of the defendant in answering no to the question can be considered only as an error of judgment and did not indicate an intention to commit the crime of perjury. A defendant was not liable for the crime of perjury because he had no intent to commit the crime. In mistake of facts, the act done would have been lawful had the facts been as the accused believed them to be. In other words, the act done would not constitute a felony had the facts been as the accused believed them to be. Thus, in the case of U.S. v. Peñalosa and People v. Veronilia Supra, the accused in the first case believed that she was already of age when she contracted marriage and the accused in the second case believed that the orders of his superior official officer were illegal. were legal had they been the real facts there would not be any felony committed even if they were not the real facts since the accused acted in good faith they acted without intent hence their acts were involuntary in mistake of fact the act done by the accused would have constituted number 1 a justifying circumstances under article 11 number 2 an absolute cause such as the contemplated such as that contemplated in Article 247, Paragraph 2, or Number 3, An Involuntary Act. Viewers v. Achong 15 Phil, 488. Fox Achong was a cook in Pit McKinley. He was afraid of bad elements. One evening before going to bed, he locked himself in his room by placing a chair against the door. After having gone to bed, he was awakened by someone trying to open the door. He called out twice, Who is there? but received no answer, fearing that the intruder was a robber. He leaped from his bed and called out again, If you enter the room, I will kill you. But at that precise moment, he was struck by the chair eh, that had been placed against the door, and believing that he was being attacked, he seized the kitchen knife and struck and fatally wounded the intruder who turned out to be his roommate, held Achong must be acquitted because of mistake of fact. Had the fact been as Achong believed them to be, he would have been justified in killing the intruder under Article 11, Paragraph 1 of the revised Penal Code, which requires to justify the act that there be, number one, unlawful aggression on the part of the person killed, number two, reasonable necessity of the means employed to prevent or repel it, and number three, lack of sufficient provocation on the part of the person defending himself. If the intruder was really a robber, forcing his way into the room of Achong, there would have been unlawful aggression on the part of the intruder. There would have been a necessity on the part of Achong to defend himself and or his home. The knife would have been a reasonable means to prevent or repel such aggression and Acho gave no provocation at all. Under Article 11 of the Revised Penal Code, there is nothing unlawful in the intention as well as in the act of the person making the defense. People versus OANIS 74-257 Facts <clears throat> Chief of Police, Oanis, and his co-accused corporal, Galanta, were under instructions to arrest Juan Balagtas, a notorious criminal, and escaped convict and if overpowered to get him dead or alive. Proceeding to the suspected house, they went into a room and on seeing a man sleeping with his back towards the door, simultaneously fired at him with their revolvers without first making any reasonable inquiry as to his identity, the victim turned out to be an innocent man, Texon, and not the wanted criminal held both accused are guilty of murder even if it were true that the victim was a notorious criminal, the accused would not be justified in killing him while the latter was slipping. In apprehending even the most notorious criminal, the law does not permit the captor to kill him. This is only when the fugitive from justice is determined to fight the officer of the law or trying to capture him that killing him would be justified The mistake must be without fault or carelessness on the part of the accused. Achong case and Awani's case distinguished In the Achong case, there is an innocent mistake of fact without any fault or carelessness on the part of the accused. Because having no time or opportunity to make any further inquiry and being pressed by circumstances to act immediately, the accused had no alternative but to take the facts as they then appeared to him and such facts justified his act of killing the deceased. In the Oane's case, the accused found no circumstances whatever which would press them to immediate action the person in the room being then asleep the accused had ample time and opportunity to ascertain his identity without hazard to themselves and could even effect a bloodless arrest if any reasonable effort to that end had been made as the victim was unarmed this indeed is the only legitimate course of action for the accused to follow even if the victim was really balagtas as they were instructed not to kill balagtas at sight but to arrest and to get him dead or alive only if resistance or aggression is offered by him Hence, the accused in the OANIS case were at fault when they shot the victim in violation of the instructions given to them. They were also careless in not verifying first the identity of the victim. Lack of intent to kill the deceased because his intention was to kill another does not relieve the accused from criminal responsibility. The accused made a mistake in killing one man instead of another, cannot relieve him from criminal responsibility, he having acted maliciously and willfully. In mistake of fact, the intention of the accused in performing the act should be lawful. Thus, in error in person A, or mistake in the identity of the victim, the principle of mistake of fact does not apply. Example, a A wanted to kill B by shooting him with a pistol, thinking that the person walking in dark alley was B. A shot the person. It turned out that the person killed was C, the brother of A. A had no intention to kill C. Since the act and intention of A in firing his pistol are unlawful, A cannot properly invoke the principle of mistake. Of Fakin's defense, no crime of resistance when there is a mistake of fact. One who resists an arrest believing that the peace officer is a bandit but who submits to the arrest immediately upon being informed by the peace officer that he is a policeman is not guilty of the crime of resistance to an agent of the authorities under Article 151 of the revised Penal Code because of mistake of fact. When the accused is negligent, mistake of fact is not a defense. People vs. De Fernando. 19.75 Facts The accused, a policeman, was informed that three convicts had escaped. In the dark, he saw a person going up the stairs of a house, carrying a bolo, and calling for someone inside. The daughter of the owner of the house was at that time with the accused, who fired a shot in the air. As the unknown person continued to ascend the stairs and believing that he was one of the escaped convicts accused far directly at the man who turned out to be the nephew of the owner of the house held he is guilty of homicide through reckless negligence the victim called for someone in the house that fact indicates that he was known to the owner of the house the accused should have inquired from the daughter of the owner of the house as to who the unknown person might be the defense of mistake of fact is untenable when the accused is charged with a culpable felony in Mistake of fact. What is involved is lack of intent on the part of the accused. In felonies committed through negligence, there is no intent to consider, as it is replaced by imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill. Criminal intent is necessary in felonies committed by means of dolo. Criminal intent is necessary in felonies committed by means of dolo because of the legal maxims actus non facit reum nisi mens sit The act itself does not make a man guilty unless his intention were so. Actus me in factus non est meus actus. An act done by me against my will is not my act. Distinction between general intent and specific intent. In felonies committed by dolus, the third element of voluntariness is a general intent, whereas in some particular felonies, proof of particular specific intent is required. Thus, in certain crimes against property, there must be the Intent to Gain Intent to kill is essentially frustrated or attempted homicide. forcible abduction, the specific intent of viewed designs must be proved. When the accused is charged with intentional felony, absence of criminal intent is a defense. In the absence of criminal intent, there is no liability for intentional felony. All a reasonable doubt intended to demonstrate error and not crime should be indulged in for the benefit of the accused. If there is only one error on the part of the person doing the act, he does not act with malice. And for that reason, he is not criminally liable for intentional felony. Criminal intent is replaced by negligence and imprudence in felonies committed by means of culpa. In felonies committed by means of culpa, since the doing of or failing to do an act must also be voluntary, there must be freedom and intelligence on the part of the offender, but the requisite of criminal intent which is required in felonies by dolo, is replaced by the requisite of imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight, or lack of skill. Such negligence or indifference to duty or to consequence is in law equivalent to criminal intent. But in felonies committed by means of culpa, the mind of the accused is not criminal. However, his act is wrongful because the injury or damage caused to the injured party results from the imprudence, negligence, lack of foresight or lack of skill of the accused. Therefore, in order that the act or omission in felony is committed, by means of fault or culpa may be considered voluntary, the following requisites must concur. He must have freedom while doing an act or omitting to do an act. He must have intelligence while doing the act or omitting to do the act. He is imprudent, negligent, or lack foresight or skill while doing the act or omitting to do the act. Inculpable Balonies, the injury caused to another should be unintentional, it being simply the incident of another act performed without malice. People vs. Gillian. Facts. Gillian, testifying in his own behalf, stated that he performed the act voluntarily, that his purpose was to kill the president, but that it did not make any difference to him if there were some people around the president when he hurled that bomb because the killing of those who surrounded the president was tantamount to killing the president in view of that. Of the fact that those persons being loyal to the president were identified with the latter, in other words, although it was not his main intention to kill the persons surrounding the president, he felt no compunction in killing them also in order to attain his main purpose of killing the president held. The facts do not support the contention of counsel for appellant that the latter is guilty only of homicide through reckless imprudence in regard to the death of Simeon Varela and of less serious physical injuries in regard to Alfredo Eva Jose Fabio, Pedro Carillo, and Emilio Maglalang in throwing the hand grenade at the president with the intention of killing him. The acted with malice. He is therefore liable for all the consequences of his wrongful act. For in accordance with Article 4 of the Revised Penal Code, criminal liability is incurred by any person committing a felony or delito, although the wrongful act done be different from that which he intended. In criminal negligence, the injury caused to another should be unintentional, it being simply the incident of another act performed without malice. In the words of Viada, in order that an act may be qualified as imprudence, it is necessary that neither malice nor intention to cause injury should intervene. Where such intention exists, the act should be qualified by the felony it has produced, even though it may not have been the intention of the actor to cause an evil of such gravity as that, as that produced. And as was held by this court, deliberate intent to do an unlawful act is essentially inconsistent with the idea of reckless imprudence. Mistake in the identity of the intended victim is not reckless imprudence. A deliberate intent to do an unlawful act is essentially inconsistent with the idea of reckless imprudence where such an unlawful act is willfully done. A mistake in the identity of the intended victim cannot be considered as reckless imprudence. A person causing damage or injury to another without malice or fault is not criminally liable under the revised penal code since felonies are committed either by means of deceit to law or by means of fault culpa if there is neither malice nor negligence on the part of the person causing damage or injury to another he is not criminally liable under the revised penal code in such cases exempt from criminal liability because he causes an injury by mere accident without fault or intention of causing it illustration three men ramos abandia and katangay were hunting deer at night Ramos carried a lantern fastened to his forehead. Abandia and Katangai were fol- following him. They saw a deer, Katangai, whose gun was already cocked and aimed at the deer, stumbled against an embankment which lay between him and Ramos. His gun was accidentally discharged, hitting and killing Ramos. It was held that Katangai was not criminally liable because he had no criminal intent and was not negligent. The act performed must be lawful. In the foregoing illustration the act of aiming the gun at the deer while hunting is a lawful is lawful it not being prohibited by any law but the act of discharging a gun in a public place is unlawful that's article 155 of the revised penal code in such case if a person is injured as a result of the discharge of the gun the one discharging it in public place is criminally liable for the injury cost The third class of crimes are those punished by are those punished by special laws. There are three classes of crimes. The Revised Penal Code defines and penalizes the first two classes of crimes. Number one, the intentional felonies. Number two the culpable of felonies the third class of crimes are those defined and penalized by special laws which include crimes punished by municipal or city ordinances the law is not required in crimes punished by special laws when a crime is punished by a special law as a rule intent to commit the crime is not necessary it is sufficient that the offender has the intent to perpetrate the act prohibited by the special law intent to commit the crime and intent to perpetrate the act must be distinguished a person may not have consciously intended to commit a crime but he did intend to commit an act and that act is by the very nature of things the crime itself in the first intent to commit the crime there must be criminal intent in the second intent to perpetrate the act it is enough that the prohibited act is done freely and consciously in people versus Bayona. Facts: defendant was driving his automobile on a road in front of electoral precinct number no. 4 in barrio of De Aranguel, Pilar Capis. He had a revolver with him. He was called by his friend Jose de Bendiro. He alighted from his automobile and approached him to find out what he wanted. He did not leave his revolver in the automobile because there were were many people in the road in front of the polling place and he might lose it. He was within the fence surrounding the polling place when Jose E. Desiderio, a representative of the Department of the Interior, took possession of the revolver defendant was carrying. The solicitor general was for his acquittal held the law which defendant violated is a statutory provision, and uh, the intent with which he violated is immaterial. It may be conceded that defendant did not intend to intimidate any elector or to violate the law in any other way, but when he got out of his automobile and carried his revolver inside of the fence surrounding the polling place, he committed the act complained of, and he committed it willfully. The election law does not require for its violation that the offender has the intention to intimidate the voters or to interfere otherwise with the election. The rule is that in acts mala in se there must be a criminal intent but in those mala prohibita it is sufficient if the prohibited act was intentionally done. Since the election code prohibits and punishes the carrying of a firearm inside the polling piece, and that person did the prohibited act freely and consciously he had the intent to perpetrate the act no intent to perpetrate the act prohibited if a man with a revolver merely passes along a public road on election day within 50 meters of a polling place he does not violate the provision of the law in question because he had no intent to perpetrate the act prohibited and the same thing would be true of a peace officer in pursuing a criminal nor would the prohibition extend to persons living within 50 meters of a polling place who merely clean or handle their firearms within their own residences on election day as they would not be carrying firearms within the contemplation of the law. In those crimes punished by special law, the act alone, irrespective of its motive, constitutes the offense. U.S. versus C. kong Bien et al., Faxco-Kong, while in charge of a balance store and acting as his agent and employee, sold in the ordinary course of business coffee which had been adulterated by the admixture of peanuts and other extraneous substances question whether a conviction under the Pure Food and Drugs Act Number 1655 of the Philippine Commission can be sustained where it appears that the sale of adulterated food products was made without guilty knowledge of the fact of adulteration held while it is true that as a rule and on principles of obstruct justice men are not and should not be held criminally responsible for acts committed by them without guilty knowledge and criminal or at least evil intent the courts have always recognized the power of the legislature on grounds of public policy and compelled by necessity the greater master of things to forbid in a limited class of cases the doing of certain acts and to make their commission criminal without regard to the intent of the doer it is notorious that the adulteration of food products has grown to proportions so enormous as to menace the health and safety of the people. Ingenuity keeps peace with greed, and the careless and heedless consumers are exposed to increasing perils. To redress such evils is a plan, plain duty but a difficult task. Experience has taught the lesson that repressive measures, which depend for their efficiency upon proof of the dealer's knowledge of his intent, to deceive and defraud, are of little use and rarely accomplish their purposes. Such an emergency may justify legislation which throws upon the seller the the entire responsibility of the purity and soundness of what he sells and compels him to know and to be certain reasons why criminal intent is not necessary in crimes made made such by statutory enactment. The accused was charged with a violation of Section 1 of Act No. 1696 of the Philippine Commission, which punishes any person who shall expose to public view any flag, banner, emblem, or device used during the late insurrection in the Philippines. Even if the accused acted without criminal intent, the lower court convicted him in affirming the judgment of conviction of the lower court the supreme court said the display of a flag or emblem used particularly within a recent period by the enemies of the government tends to incite resistance of governmental function and insurrection against governmental authority just as effectively if made in the best of good faith as if made with the most corrupt intent to display itself without the intervention of any other fact is the evil it is quite different from the large class of crimes made by such common law or by statute in which the injurious effect upon the public depends upon the corrupt intention of the person perpetrating the act. If A discharges a loaded gun and kills B, the interest which society has in the act depends not upon B's death but upon the intention with which A consummated the act. If the gun was discharged intentionally with the purpose of accomplishing the death of B, then society has been injured and its security violated. But if the gun was discharged accidentally on the part of A, then society, strictly speaking, has no concern in the matter. Even though the death of B results, the reason for this is that A does not become a danger to society and its institution until he becomes a person with a corrupt mind. The mere discharge of the gun and the death of B does do not of themselves make him so. With those two facts must go to the corrupt intent to kill. In the case at Bar, however, the evil to society and to the government does not depend upon the state of mind of the one who displeased the banner, but upon the effect which that display has upon the public mind. In the one case, the public is affected by the intention of the actor, into, in the other, by the act itself. When the doing of an act is prohibited by a special law, it is considered that the act is injurious to public welfare, and the doing of the prohibited act is the crime itself. Good faith and absence of criminal intent, not bodied defenses in crimes punished by special laws. It does not matter for the validity of the conviction of Ongso that he is the owner. Or borrower, as the propriety concept of the possession can have no bearing whatsoever on his guilt within the limit, the intent, meant, and purview of the public act for which amended section 2692 of the Revised Administrative Code and Commonwealth Act 56. And it is now beyond question that mere unlicensed possession is sufficient to sustain a conviction of illegal possession of firearms regardless of the intent of the unlicensed holder since the offense is malum prohibitum punished by special law and good faith and absence of criminal intent are not valid defenses exceptions number one several pc soldiers went to the house of the defendant and asked him if he had in his possession any unlicensed firearm the defendant readily answered that he had one but that Said unlicensed firearm was in his possession prior to his turning it over to the mayor of Taal in connection with the drive of the government in the collection of loose firearms, defendant told the PC soldiers that he bought the firearm from a stranger with the purpose of selling it to the PC, who were paying for loose firearms. He even showed to the PC soldiers a letter of the town mayor authorizing him to collect loose firearms in his barrio. Held To implement the policy of the government on loose firearms, it is imperative that the persons collecting and surrendering loose firearms should have temporary and incidental possession thereof. For how can one collect and deliver without temporarily laying his hands on the firearms? It is for this reason that we believe that the doctrine of the immateriality of animus possidendi should be relaxed in a certain way, otherwise the avowed purpose of the government's policy cannot be realized. Of course, it would be a different story if it is shown the possessor has held on the firearm for an undue length of time when he had all the chances to surrender it to the proper authorities, when neither of the accused had ever intended to commit the offense of illegal possession of firearms, when both believe in good faith that as civilian guards under counsel or ASA, an MIS agent and a superior officer in the civilian guard organization, and under the circumstances and facts of this case, they cannot be held liable for the offense charged because they never had any intent of violating the law. Where the accused had a pending application for permanent permit to possess a firearm and whose possession was not unknown to an agent of the law who advised the former to keep it in the meantime, any doubt as to his claim should be resolved in his favor. Number four, where a was duly appointed, a civilian confidential agent entrusted with a mission to make surveillance and effect. The killing or capture of a wanted person and was authorized to carry a revolver to carry out his mission is not criminally liable for illegal possession of firearms. Note, in this case, is the accused had no license to possess the firearms, but in view of the facts and circumstances, the absence of intent to violate the law was considered in favor of the accused. Mala and mala prohibita distinguish. There is a distinction between crimes which are malainse or wrongful from their nature, such as theft, rape, homicide, etc., and those that are mala or wrongly or wrong merely because prohibited by a statute such as illegal possession of firearms. Crimes malainse are those so serious in their effects on society as to call for almost unanimous condemnation of its members, while crimes mala are violations of mere rules of convenience designed to secure a more orderly regulation of the affairs of society in acts malainse the intent governs but in those prohibita the only inquiry is has the law been violated criminal intent is not necessary where the acts are prohibited for reasons of public policy as in illegal possession of firearms the term Inse, refers generally to felonies defined and penalized by the revised penal code when the acts are inherently immoral they are malainse even if punished by special laws on the other hand there are crimes in the revised penal code which were originally defined and penalized by special laws. Among them are possession and use of opium malversation, brigandage, and libel. The term mala-prohibitor refers generally to acts made criminal by special laws. When the acts are inherently immoral, they are mala se, even if punished under special law. In People v. Suniko et al, facts that used were election inspectors and poll and pol- clerks whose duty among others was to transfer the names of excess voters in other precincts to the list of a newly created precinct. Several voters were omitted in released the because their names were not in the list. Some of them were not allowed to vote. The accused were prosecuted for violation of Section 101 and 103 of the revised election code. The accused claimed that they made the omission in good faith. The trial court seemed to believe that notwithstanding the fact that the accused committed in good faith, the serious offense offense charge, the latter are criminally responsible, therefore— because such offense is malum prohibitum, and consequently, the act prosecuting the same need not be committed with malice of or criminal intent to be punishable. Held the acts of the accused cannot be merely mala prohibita, they are mala per se. The omission or failure to include the voter's name in the registry list of voters is not only wrong because it is prohibited, it is wrong per se because it disenfranchises a voter and violates one of his fundamental rights. Hence, for such act to be punishable, it must be shown that it has been committed with malice. There is no clear showing in the instant case that the accused intentionally, willfully, and maliciously omitted or failed to include in the registry list of voters the names of those voters. They cannot be punished criminally. The revised election code, as far as its penal provisions are concerned, in a special law, it being not a part of the revised penal code or its amendments, intent intent distinguished from motive. Motive is the moving power which impels one to action for a definite result. And that is the purpose to use a particular means to effect such result. Motive is not an essential element of a crime and hence need not be proved for purposes of conviction. An extreme moral perversion may lead a man to commit a crime without a real motive but just for the sake of committing it. Or the apparent lack of motive for committing a criminal act does not necessarily mean that there is none but that simply it is not known to us, for we cannot probe into the depths of one's conscience, where it may be found hidden away and inaccessible to our observation. One may be convicted of a crime, whether his motives appear to be good or bad, or even though no motive is proven, a good motive does not prevent an act from being a crime. In mercy killing, the painless killing of a patient who has no chance of recovery, the motive may be good, but it is nevertheless punished by law. Motive when relevant and when need not be established. For the identity of a person accused of having committed a crime is in dispute, the motive that may have impelled its commission is very relevant. Generally, proof of motive is not necessary to pin a crime on the accused. The commission of the crime has been proven and the evidence of identification is convincing. Motive is essential only when there is doubt as to the identity of the assailant. It is immaterial when the accused has been positively identified. For the defendant admits the killing, it is no longer necessary to inquire into his motive for doing the act. Motive is important in ascertaining the truth between two antagonistic theories or versions of the killings. Where the identification of the priest proceeds from an unreliable source and the testimony is inconclusive and not faith-trained out, evidence of motive is necessary. Where there are no eyewitnesses to the crime and where suspicion is likely to fall upon a number of persons motive is relevant and significant if the evidence is merely circumstantial proof of motive is essential proof of motive is not indispensable where guilt is otherwise established by sufficient evidence but the question of motive is important to the person who committed the criminal act yet when there is no longer any doubt that the defendant was the culprit it becomes unimportant to know the exact reason or purpose for the commission of the crime how motive is proved? Generally, the motive is established by the testimony of witnesses on the act or statements of the accused before or immediately after the commission of the offense. Such deeds or words may indicate the motive. Motive proved by the evidence. Appellants stabbed the disease. It was established that there were two suffocating smokes noticed during the progress of the religious service of the Iglesia Ni Cristo which made appellant to go around, certainly the causing of those smokes presumably by non-members which disturbed and interrupted the service, particularly at the time when the minister was preaching, it is enough motive for any member of the sect to be offended, thereby particularly the appellant who was a member of some importance. Disclosure of the motive is an aid in completing the proof of the commission of the crime. Thus, the fact that the accused has been losing in their business operations indicated the motive and therefore the intent to commit arson for the purpose of collecting the insurance on their stock of merchandise. But proof of motive alone is not sufficient to support a conviction. The existence of a motive, though perhaps an important consideration, is not sufficient proof of guilt. Mere proof of motive, no matter how strong, is not sufficient to support a conviction if there is no reliable evidence from which it may be reasonably deduced that the accused was the malefactor. Even a strong motive to commit the crime cannot take the place of proof beyond reasonable doubt, sufficient to overthrow the presumption of innocence. Proof beyond reasonable doubt is the mainstay of our accusatory system of criminal justice. Lack of motive may be an aid in showing the innocence of the accused. In a case, the Supreme Court concluded that the defendant acted while well in agreement his acts with which he was charged were not voluntary in the sense of entailing criminal liability. Under the special circumstances of the case in which the victim was the defendant's own wife whom he dearly loved and taking into consideration the fact that the defendant tried to attack also his father in whose house and under whose protection he lived besides attacking the Tanner and Malinaw, his guests whom he himself invited as may be inferred. From the evidence presented, we find not only lack of motive for the defendant to voluntarily commit the acts complained of, but also motives for not committing said acts. Lack of motive to kill the deceased has been held as further basis for acquitting the accused, where the lone testimony of the prosecution witness is contrary to common experience and therefore incredible.